0: Insights, solutions, and networking all come together at RSA Conference. Join a global cybersecurity community at rsaconference.com forward slash ITSP MAG24. Either we are there or not, ITSP Magazine still gets the best stories.
1: Marco. Sean. Sometimes, uh, not only do I feel underappreciated, but I feel misunderstood.
2: God, that's a great way to start a podcast. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Very positive. <laughs> uh, there's artificial intelligence for that. I know. Just
1: fixing it with some AI.
2: Yeah. I mean, uh, whatever answer. you're doing that you don't like get artificial intelligence to do it for you so you can go, go play golf or other <laughs> things or you can keep working but do the things that you are supposed to be doing and uh there you go problem solved
1: problem solved and we're, we're joking a little bit but there's a lot of truth to that so i think we're getting closer by the minute uh, where technology can help uh, different roles in their in their job uh, do good things and. Today, we're going to be looking at uh, the role of the SOC analyst and their managers and kind of the whole operations in a security operations center. And as part of that, kind of a a view into some of the challenges they face these days. Um, Things have evolved over the years, uh, what we look for and how we look at it and the things things we try to identify in our data sets have all expanded, including the data sets themselves and i presume that makes things even more difficult i'm not sitting in a sock so i don't know but thankfully we have somebody that uh has done a lot of research on this talks to a lot of people who are in the sock and uh going to give us some insights into what some of the challenges are today so Chaz lever thanks for uh being on with us
3: yeah it's great to be here yeah super excited yeah so i mean um I guess I'm the senior director of security research for the SciSec team at Devo, um, and so for you know those that are wondering like what is Devo and how does that make me at all qualified to be here, uh, the uh, Devo is a cloud native logging and security analytics platform uh, that delivers real time visibility for security and operations teams. So basically, this gives you a quick and easy way to quickly ingest, analyze all of your data kind of at scale without needing to spin up on-premise infrastructure. So it makes it easy to kind of get started with this idea of, you know, what you're going to do in the SOC. And then, you know, prior to joining Devo, I I kind of spent the last decade performing security research at Georgia tech um, and, you know, did some work with some other security startups during that time where I did consulting or, you know, uh, work to kind of help them build out their security research programs. Um, And that's uh, where I received my PhD before I joined there as a research faculty for a little bit. And, the work I was doing there kind of sat at the intersection of networking, security, and data science, where I was building systems to analyze like petabyte-scale data sets to kind of help derive security insights. And so now at Devo, uh, you know, I'm I'm here kind of leading a research team that's focused on trying to help build that kind of next generation of uh, the autonomous SOC. Is I think the vision that Devo kind of has for the future. And so yeah, that's, that's that's my background. Yeah.
2: It's great background because, I mean, we want to understand what are the the modern day challenges in the stock. And there is no better way to do that than kind of look quickly at what the past was, right? I mean, we were joking at the beginning, Sean and I, with artificial intelligence, advanced technology and taking over. But we know that there is people sitting in the stock. There's people thinking about what needs to be done. There's people on the other side making bad things happen. And so it's going to be always a bottle. But how do you feel like if you could summarize the today's SOC is different from the one of 10, 15 years ago?
3: Yeah, so I I think if you kind of look back at like, you know, the the, the SOC and and how things have evolved, at least in the security space in general, you know, I, I think you'll notice that like, you know, we kind of went from you know, the number of things that the SOC was finding, it was kind of looking for like the needle in a haystack, you know, like we're looking for the, the few and the, 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 the far between kind of breaches that, you know, were in the data that we had. Uh, and now I think if you look at it like, you know, those early SOCs had limited access to data, you know, the, the tooling they had was, was uh, you know, more limited. And we've kind of evolved that tooling and we have a lot more data. So, you know, we have a lot more devices, we have more data, there's more attack surfaces. So that the amount of things that the SOC has to be aware of has grown uh, immensely, um, and so you know this kind of raises a lot of questions. You know, for 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 those kind of that modern SOC about like how do you go about collecting all this data? Where do you store the data? What do you do with it after you have it? You know, how do you collect data from like IoT devices? From you know, bring your own laptops to like. You know all these things. You know, there's no more kind of like moat that you had around your your network, where you know you had physically hardwired computers that never left the premises, and you know you could physically secure everything there. Now everything's kind of mobile and moving around. You have know, with phones and everything, it's it's a it's a lot kind of harder um, for the SOC to kind of deal with some of those challenges. Um, and I think that's one of those you know evolutionary changes that like more threats. You know, you have threats that are kind of commodity solutions now, where it's like, you know, for somebody to get into the game of, of, of using malware or other things, they don't even have to be an expert in writing it, they can just go purchase it off the shelf. It's like you have a, a much expanded, you know, kind of group of folks that can engage in, you know, kind of cyber crime and other things like that that you kind of have to protect against, uh, and there's just a lot more that you have to be aware of as a, as a, as a SOC now, and uh, I think one of the challenges there is that even despite all this stuff, this evolution, that you know the, the number of skilled security practitioners probably, you know, hasn't been able to keep up as much with the the, the demand on that modern stock.
1: And and Chaz and it might be a little known fact for some folks, but many moons ago, I I helped to bring one of the first Sims to market, and. One of the biggest challenges at that time—I'm talking 15 plus years ago now—to date myself uh, was just the the, the the stack of technology to even get something to run in the sock. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the, the database and the and the uh, the LDAPs and and the the networking connections and the distributed uh, databases and and I mean all this stuff was just a, a mess, and so. Just operating the systems that allow you to do your job uh, was a huge problem. Let alone doing the job. So maybe I don't know if we can pick on both of those things for a moment the the operational aspects of running a sock, and then and then maybe uh, the team actually doing their job. Um, yeah, so not just having the data, but actually having a UI and a and a good UX experience to do what they do. So let, let's focus on maybe the operational aspect of running a SOC first.
3: Yeah. So I think, I I think one of the interesting kind of evolutions here is like, you now have this kind of, you have cloud native platforms, right? Where, you know, I think, you know, the, the old school thing of having to like run everything on premise, you don't have to do that anymore. You you can, you can use, you know, depending on what your security posture is and what you're comfortable you know, putting in a cloud environment, you can either, you can get started really quick. I mean, you can go to, you know, a cloud-native platform that will let you ingest data there, where you're not on the hook for managing all that infrastructure and understanding how all the database and all the other components fit together. And when they break, you're also not on the hook for, you know, trying to, to kind of fix those. Uh, and that's, you know, uh, as, as someone who came from Georgia Tech, where we had to run a lot of our own stuff on-prem, you know, deploying all that infrastructure and maintaining it, and then doing your job on top of it, was like several full-time jobs, you know, like uh, you know maintaining, as you said, the databases and the infrastructure that you had to use to collect the data, store the data, and then like in addition to that, keep up the the instances that, that like, let you actually do useful things with the data. That was a lot, and so uh, you know one of the the benefits that you know the you, you get in this kind of more modern environment is you can find solutions uh, that you know are cloud native. You know, Devo's one of them a lot of you do that in the cloud, but like that's a that's a huge that's a huge win, um, and you know the, the the great thing there is now you just have to worry about like getting data into the, the platform, and you can let the platforms kind of you know help you with the rest of it. So it makes it makes things definitely easier for you if you're trying to like kind of you know just get up and running. Um, and then like you know I, I think with that you know given the the kind of the staffing uh, you know shortages and things like that that you might have and finding enough people to, to to run things, you can focus more of your resources on like actually having the, the folks that can actually do, you know, security operations within SOC rather than having to just, you know, have like kind of IT operations and as well as that to, to make all this stuff work. Um, and that's a, sure. that's a, that can't be, I think, underestimated enough.
1: Yeah. So, so recognizing that uh, all that's changed, hello cloud um, and APIs, I'll throw those in there to make the connections, how it, I've had some of these conversations with some CISOs that just because you eliminate on-prem and move things to the cloud and you have access to data through APIs doesn't mean your team uh, is magically better and they can magically use that new system. Uh, Because It is new, new technology stack, new way of accessing data, perhaps uh, bigger feeds of data, faster feeds of data that they, that they don't know how to deal with perhaps. So, talk to me a little bit, uh, sticking to the kind of the operational element. element still, how modern technologies may you, you can't just shift your SOC team to the cloud either, right? You may you have no. to spend your money to move your your on-prem stuff to the cloud, and your team also has to transition with it. So, are there any challenges on that front from from a management perspective?
3: So, yeah, I mean, I think you know, uh, you know, shifting. Shifting folks to the Cloud, there's like a different, it is kind of a different, you know, skill set in some ways uh, than like somebody on-prem. In some ways, you know, uh, some of the tooling that, you know, you're shifting to the Cloud is similar stuff that you may have seen running it on-prem, uh, but, you know, it's, it's it may have slightly different, you know, uh, kind of access and use patterns. But like, you know, from the, the day-to-day SOC perspective, uh, you know, I guess this is really kind of the question of like, does your SEM of choice or is your kind of platform of choice run also in the cloud or do you have to switch to a new environment? Because this is one of those kind of things where like even moving from like SEM to SEM you would have had that, those kind of same barriers even before we moved to the cloud. Um, So I think, you know, some of that is is kind of, you know part and parcel of of getting, you know, stuck in kind of a bespoke stack. Um, But I think, you know, one of the things that, you know is kind of helpful with dealing with more of the data that I think you know, you're starting to see with more of like kind of the modern sims and more, you know, modern platforms is more automation around, you know, helping you do things. So, um, you know, this is kind of like providing things like, you know, behavioral analytics and stuff like that on top of the, the, the platform that you have to kind of help remove some of the burden of having to uh, have a, you know, your own kind of sock analysts and figure out how to do those things in this new environment. Like some of it just kind of comes in the box comes out the box by default um, and, and helps your sock be a little bit more capable, you know, doing things in a new environment. So like they're not having to learn everything from scratch, they're having to learn, you know, maybe how to use the alerts and things here, but like you're getting more maybe functionality out of the box. Uh, so I think that's, that's one of the benefits is that, you know, those automations, uh, you know, come out of the box And because it's running in maybe, you know, a cloud setting, you may get more frequent updates and more frequent features that can get pushed more quickly, um, you know, from a testing perspective. Whereas, you know, when you were running those on-prem things, you may have not wanted to upgrade for fear of breaking something. Um, And so, like, you're running a version of, you know, your your software that didn't have the latest features because, you know, know, your IT team hadn't gotten around to deploying it yet. Uh, I think... That's that's a kind of a benefit here is you maybe get more of those automations that maybe helps you transition faster and, and move a little bit quicker. And so that might be a benefit that kind of helps ease some of that transition of like having to deal with a new system altogether.
2: So let's talk about that because one element that sounds to me break sometimes it's actually the human element in the suck. You know, burnouts, uh, you know, overworked and maybe, you know, all these changes coming up and not knowing what is going to be the next job? I mean, but but there is so many people that that want to do that job. Some don't know how to transition into that job. And as you mentioned before, there is still that incredible gap of people that we do need to run the job, even if the machine is making things easier. So is, is there like a different path that you see now to be ideal for people that want to come in the industry in that role compared with what it was? Years ago, now with all this automation, I mean, how does somebody today, that is a student, say, you know what, I want to do that job, I want to do it well. This is how I can get to be really good at it.
3: Yeah. So I think one of the things there is there is so much tooling uh, available to you from a you know if you're if you're in a stock analyst today that you know maybe wasn't around ten or fifteen years ago um, that you know, can you can really use to kind of help make you uh, as a superpower really like to kind of make you more effective as a single individual and and kind of automate away a lot of the things that you're doing beyond just, you know, relying on other, you know, uh, things that might be available in your, your SIM platform. And so like, if you're looking at kind of like, you know, these tools, it's like, you know, from the, if you're, you know, working with like networking data, it's like, you know, are you familiar with like, the you know common tools that help you kind of slice and dice that kind of network traffic in kind of efficient ways. You know, so this is like understanding like you know I'm trying to do uh, you know surveys of the internet to kind of find my attack surface. Like, are you familiar with like tools like Census and Shodan for like searching the internet for these types of vulnerability? Like, searching for attack surfaces that are exposed online. Are you familiar with things like TCP dump and Wireshark for like actually doing you know on the on the wire packet inspection are you familiar with like you know proxy suites there so i think kind of if you're trying to get into this this uh this kind of these kind of roles today understanding some of the tool sets that are available to you and really trying to kind of master those um are a, a really good place to start and there are a lot of these that are you know publicly freely available like they're they're not paid tools they're like very powerful tools that a lot of industry professionals have um and like you know one of the the cool ways to use these is like you're really trying to get into the space is that you know with the commoditization of, of kind of gear and stuff you know the the modern home lab is a great place to kind of run your own sock right like you can you can run a sock from home uh you know i, I know i have like a small network at home where you know i've got uh, i've got my own kind of monitoring and logging and things like that where i can play with a lot of the things that you might you know see if you're a sock analyst you can get you know tools like uh, like rumble I think it's now run zero to do a scanning of your own network and you can ingest all of this stuff into your own kind of like open source SIM at home and start figuring out how to what some of these kind of processes might look like. So I think there's a lot of stuff that you can kind of do you know in your own environment to kind of get up to speed with like what does it look like to actually do kind of security analysis on a on a in your own kind of organization at a smaller scale and kind of level those up as you Start to you know kind of have to deal with these same kind of things in a larger environment, but I think that's that's something that probably wasn't possible, you know, longer that much longer. There just wasn't this much kind of free open source tooling and you know access to some of this kind of hardware that you can get now to, to you know run like firewalls and things like that in a home environment that are more sophisticated. You know, didn't really exist, and so I think that's that's something that's super cool. That's if you're trying to get into today, I would highly recommend kind of running your own home lab and doing doing things with that.
1: And at some point, I presume we'll touch on scale, but I want to stick with the small environment first because we're talking about the analysts doing their job. Either they're fresh into it or they've been doing it for a while. Uh, Things change. The threat landscape changes. The attacks change. The techniques change. The tools they use change. And what I'm wondering is, in addition to all these tools that you just described, and I'm sure there are a gazillion more, uh, how do analysts know what to look for and how to uncover and then how to determine the impact and uh, perhaps even the resolution, depending on what they want to want to accomplish in their role. Um, we often hear, think like a hacker, think like an attacker. Um, how do analysts kind of get up to speed on that stuff as well with, with some of the modern changes in attacks and, and tooling?
3: Yeah, so that's a it's a great question. And I think there are like a number of places that you can kind of go for this. Like, you know, this is one of the the, the great things is that there's a lot of kind of open security content on the internet now. Um, but beyond that, like, you know, for as much as like you know we might laugh, the things that you know people post on social media, like the info like info set communities on some of these social media websites are actually pretty strong, and you can you can you know kind of glean insights about like what current like. Uh, you know, security experts are doing so. You know, in some of these cases, these are the people that you're you know seeing pop up in the news of having discovered the, the latest exploit for something, or you know, these are pr- people working at like you know Google's Project Zero. Like these people are active and engaged in a lot of these kind of social communities, um, and so one one way is just starting to follow them and see what they're working on and. You know they'll often like link to blogs that have like deep tear downs of like how they created an exploit or how they analyzed an exploit. And like these are great resources to see how like somebody that's already an expert is doing this stuff. And you can kind of take those and look at like here's here's what that looks like. You know, here's what you know it looks like to kind of you know what I the things I should be cognizant of. You know, if I'm looking to uh, you know kind of you know hone my own things, maybe I can try to write my own kind of exploits for things. You know, and they have you know, systems for, um, you know, if you wanted to kind of test out your ability to, uh, you know, break into web apps, they have, uh, you know, frameworks that you can use to kind of test, you know, known exploits and, you know, see how, how well you can you can do those things. You can get a little bit of the offensive side. Uh, by the same token, you know, you can also uh, do the, the opposite. You know, it's, it's, I think, understanding how to attack and understanding how to defend are, are both really important. You need to kind of have both mindsets because they're, they're very different. Um, And so like you can follow people that are, you know, more on the exploit side You can follow people that are, you know, looking at kind of securing these systems and seeing what they're doing. And so like that social community is one good thing. Uh, You know, again, like there are also online courses that are taught from a variety of different places that, you know, might help you get a sense of where you want to start looking into, you know, defending or, you know, attacking things. And they're often free on things like Coursera, edX, sometimes Udemy, um, and there are a lot of those kind of courses that are available. Uh, and then, like, if you're if you really will kind of want to dig into kind of what's happening, kind of on the you know the, the the cutting edge, or you know what's what's kind of coming out of the research communities, a lot of the uh, the content that security researchers are doing that often you know may make its way into exploits or defenses later um, is is publicly available on the internet. And so, like, you can go and, and download these things and, and read them and kind of get ahead of where things might be going. And that might help you in your kind of journey to figure out, here's how I defend, here's how I attack, here are the things that are, might be on the horizon, here's what people are really interested in right now, and this is where I maybe, I don't know a lot, maybe I should focus in more on this. Um, and like, if you're looking for those, like, you know, I came from an academic background, so there were four major security conferences. Um, there was USENIX Security, ACM CCS, NDSS, and IEEE, s and and all of those, like the, the publications from that, you usually can find on the publications website uh, on the conference website or the, the author will usually post them on their website. And those are freely available. It's by the same token, a lot of the black hat Defcon talks are also made public after the fact. And you can go and look and see what other kind of, you know, security, you know, researchers or hackers or other, other things are doing. And those are great places to start in addition to like blogs and things like that. So there's just like so much content online that like finding finding those and just kind of getting engaged in those different communities is probably a great place to, kind of hone your
1: skills a little bit. I love it. And uh, as you were describing those things, uh, uh, one, one thing popped into my mind that uh, I wanted to pick your brain about, and I don't know if there's other examples, but MITRE attack. Because I view that as something perhaps an analyst can become familiar with outside of the organization and or across any organization, to, to, despite what uh, they're trying to protect. And can then, from their understanding of miter attack and and what it provides, connect to the operations uh, in the SOC um, as they're learning and and move it around if they switch switch jobs, switch roles. Um, any any thoughts on on miter or other things like that that uh, can help?
3: Yeah, so there, are, so it, it, it's it's a great thing. There are actually a number of kind of like. You know security frameworks that exist out there, but MITRE ATT&CK is a, a really kind of I think widely used and kind of accepted one. Which being familiar with that is is really helpful in terms of giving you an understanding of you know how like the kind of attack lifecycle may work. Um, and understanding that you can again you know start to if you're fuzzy on how each of those points of that kind of like attack lifecycle work, you can. Uh, you know work through those different portions of the, the miter attack framework and be like, all right, I don't really understand much about you know this kind of section of it. Let me go and look into, you know, uh see more content about that. But yeah, like those frameworks definitely kind of start to put together a more kind of standardized method of like reasoning about like new attacks next point. You can kind of start to piece, you know, where things fall in that that attack framework. But I and I think that's really helpful in terms of Um, you know contextualizing a lot of things that you're reading like it may all seem very different but like when you can kind of put it as like oh this fits here this is like another way to do this thing i already know about it really does help you make make sense of the security landscape a little bit better Uh, i think that's that's probably also having like a a good framework like that to contextualize everything is is super helpful
2: all right so uh um I think these are great perspective, but I also would like to get into the other side, which is the business side. We talk about you know get proactive, get creative with your own training, your own future, and there is many tools, many resources. That's great, but once you get to work with an organization, you know you you, you need that structure. I mean, different organization yeah. work in different way. They can choose one platform versus another, and there is definitely. You know the specific of their industry. It's not just all right. Let's get all the data possible around the world. Like you need to focus on what is important for them and what they're trying to defend. So, talking about this, I'd like for you to give us a perspective of what is happening on the business side, on the leaders or the SOC, the manager, and and the whole cybersecurity side of the industry, and how at that point when you are in there, how do you, SOC analyst, keep your knowledge up to date? What do company do for improve the training? Keep you like where you need to be on your tiptoe without having to do it, you know, always by yourself. I'm sure companies are thinking about this.
3: Yeah, I think that's. I mean, that's a, that's a great point. Is that the the space is constantly evolving, um, and you know, as as if you're in charge of figuring out how to secure your own organization. You know, I think the, one of the challenges is identifying your attack surface. Like what is, what are the the things that I need to focus on actually defending? And like that's, that attack surface keeps growing. Um, and so I think, you know, one of those, those things is, you know, understanding, do I have visibility into the different points of my attack surface? And, you know, there are, you know, I, I as much as the security landscape changes over time, you know, a lot of companies, you know, have the, uh, some basics there, you know, they usually have some sort of, you know, some point, some sort of endpoint detection and response solution, some, some sort of network detection and response solution. And, you know, maybe, you know, if you're, you're dealing with cloud and other types of things that are exposed from your network now, um, you're looking at, you know, at some kind of like attack service management, you know, uh, tool to kind of help you show you what's exposed on the, the public internet, or maybe show you what kinds of things are or unsecured, you know, within you know your own network, and so like having things that are doing that kind of scanning and, and and having all those different pieces, and so I think you know if you're kind of tasked with you know defending your your network, it's identifying what that attack surface is and figuring out what the tools that like can address those those uh, attack surfaces might be. So you know maybe you're going to need input input software on all the the laptops or you know phones or or different things that you have. Uh, you know in your network but maybe you also have IoT devices and things where you can't install that kind of stuff so like how do you get visibility into that and so picking those tools that kind of address those gaps in your security uh, posture uh, I think is a, a very important thing and then like once you've done that I think you know you you know you, you definitely need training for your your staff to be you know, proficient in those things and hopefully you know uh, if you're kind of adhering some of those those basics, the The general skills are transferable from you know maybe one tool to another. The, the, the basic concepts are there, but the details are different. Um, but I think you know once you're you're looking to kind of training and keeping that staff up to date, this is one of those cases where you know uh, per- perhaps like sponsoring your your employees to actually attend some of those industry conferences um, beyond just reading the stuff there on their own is maybe helpful. And that, that from the standpoint that like one they're going to get to meet other security practitioners as a group. And that might be helpful in terms of just those discussions often lead to things that you might not have thought to ask otherwise. You know, maybe other 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 groups are having similar problems that you are, and just that that kind of uh, community of InfoSec people, uh, talking with them will help you, your team become more aware of these things and like maybe you know, help establish some of those relationships where they can reach out to folks depending on the things that are going on within your own organization, be like, hey, we're seeing this type of thing. Have you guys seen this before? Can you, can you provide some help there um but beyond that you know like i think this is an opportunity where like if you're you have a team internally you know uh you can have reading groups and things like that for you know you know technical publications things like that so like everybody's on the hook for reading everything that comes out of one of these conferences because i can tell you from my life in the academic space there's too much to keep on top of everything and so one of the, the really valuable things that we used to do was you know have reading groups where like we would you know have somebody tackle one topic and come and present it to everybody else. Uh, the benefit here is that you you get somebody that kind of has to go in and really tackle it and become an expert and explain it to everybody else. And now by nature of doing that, you have an expert on your team that can explain those things to everybody else. And now you you kind of uh, by having a variety of things, you, you get a diversity of those types of things, uh, diversity of knowledge across the group. Uh, I also think that you know uh, this is another case where you know maybe sponsoring like capture capture the flags or other types of, of things internally, you know, as is, is kind of a, a team building thing or you know a learning thing and having them you know go and participate against other folks is maybe another interesting that you can do. Um, you know having regular kind of like lunch and learns where somebody explains some topic within the SOC to you know new folks so that you one you can record that and have that kind of dispersed to other people coming in. Um, but like you know this this forces you know you to constantly be keeping on top of things and and presenting these things to to new folks that are coming in, so that you have onboarding resources. I think because that's that's another kind of tough thing is that, you know, uh, I think as a lot of people are probably aware, like you know turnover in the sock is also high because burnout is high because we have you know probably too few people doing too many things. So being able to onboard new people quickly is probably also important. Like right now, uh, you know, just from a practical standpoint, you know, like. You want to you want to limit the burnout, but like you need to realize that it may still exist and you want ways to quickly onboard new people. So having these kind of resources internally is probably incredibly useful. Uh, and then there's you know other kind of like training resources where you can have people come in and give courses to your SOC. You know, like that's a that's another another opportunity where like you can have this be like a group activity where instead of them having to go and kind of find this on their own, they can, you know, you can have folks like you know, SANS has courses, MITRE even has training courses on. The attack framework. If you wanted that to come in and, and kind of teach teach that to your team directly, so I mean, I think there are a lot of op- opportunities for like you know regular kind of content uh, to be dispersed to your team, as long as you're making an effort to kind of have that training be a part of you know the the life cycle of your SOC.
1: Yeah, and if there's, I don't think we said it explicitly, but if there's one thing that that I'm kind of sensing all the way through is, is there's no one. Most important thing ever. <laughs> there, there's a, there's a lot, yeah. and uh, we're we're talking uh, not just at the threat level, but, but from uh, an operational level, from a technology level, from a human em- element el- level. And uh, I think what's important is that organizations recognize that that this role has a lot of things on their plate and in their mind and uh, in their MBOs (laughs) and, and their ability to be on top of things and have the latest uh, knowledge is critical. And um, I know that's one of the main reasons that uh, the SOC analyst Appreciation day was formed was to recognize this role and the work that they do in the SOC and Give a place for sock analysts to come together and share information and engage with each other, and access resources that uh, that are available to them from the community. And I'm, I mean, this is the second annual year, second annual sock appreciation analyst appreciation day that Marco and I get to participate in. We're going to hold another panel this year. Last year we did the day in the life of a sock analyst. This year we're do, looking at the hybrid sock where uh, we, we leverage an internal team and an external team and probably some technology to, to bridge, uh, bridge them together. And uh, it's going to be a great conversation as part of a larger full-day event um, that uh, has lots of topics. So,
2: Yeah, and I was just walking the other day, my dogs, and I was like, you know, there should be a, a SOC Analyst Appreciation Day. And then I remember that there is. I mean, that's, is that's great, right? There is one. We were on it, as you said, last year. Right. And we're really excited to be on this year again. And I, I'm scrolling down here on the page. We'll give the link in the, in the notes and uh, at the end of the conversation here. But it's actually in 29 days. So it's coming up, which is uh, good. So we can think about it. And don't forget, put it on the notes because it's not too, too late. Just mark down the day. And there is going to be a lot of fun stuff. And a lot of useful stuff from uh, desk decompression and reset. So thinking about the mental health, right? I'm just, again, scrolling down. How you become a sock star. Uh, That's going to be some tips from people that have been in the industry for for a long time and been very successful into it. And then untraditional path into cyber. Being neurodiverse in cyber. So, again, very human element topic here and uh, the hybrid sock the figure shot yeah, the one is that that we're going to be on and then we have poll security weekly which is going to have a special session during the event and uh on traditional path into cyber and yeah, something so in, uh, spanish sessions is in
1: in europe yeah one is in yeah. spanish uh in, in Maya, and another one in uh APAC region as well
2: so So, I mean I just lost my breath just reading through all of this so (laughs) I'm sure it's going to be it's going to be great and it was successful last year for being the first year there was a really great feedback from the community because it is by the community for the community and again I think clearly Chaz you you pointed out the community importance a few few times during this conversation
3: yeah, I think in that community is huge. Uh, you know, I think this is there, I think there are efforts, you know, within the security community now to kind of expand that community. Um, you know, you see like, you know, kind of the, the evolution of the, the threat exchange, right? You know, like now it's like, how do we share the threats that we're discovering so that, you know, we're not all rediscovering the same thing and reinventing the wheel every every time. And I think, you know, one of the challenges there is that, you know, we've, we, as a security community, we've, we've realized that we can't go all alone and we need this community. Uh, now we have like a diaspora of communities. So it's like which now you have to be in, in, involved in a lot of them. So I think, you know, one of the challenges, you know, going forth for the community is how do we better curate all this knowledge that's out there, right? So we know that there are experts in a lot of different places, but like you know, if you're coming in new, it's it's often, you know, one of the questions you'll see like asked over and over again is how do I get plugged into the security community? Like how do I even get started there? Uh, you know, like what topics are really important for me to actually learn so that I can be in the sock and be successful. Uh, and these are things where it's like, I think we have, you know, general answers for this as a community, but like, you know, unless you're already plugged into the community, it can be hard to find those. Um, and I think, you know, better curating that knowledge and, and, and kind of uh, disseminating that to, to folks so that there's kind of a roadmap they can maybe take to, you know, if they're trying to get into the to, to, uh, security that they can follow that it would be super, super helpful. And, you know, I think, you know, maybe having, you know, Fewer fewer, uh, fewer different, you know, kind of communities where we're, we're doing this, these exchanges is, is maybe helpful as well. So it's like, not that like, oh, well, this one had it and this one didn't. But I, I didn't know that there were 10 of them. I, I thought there was only one. So I, I think, you know, as a security community, one of the things we can probably do better is is, is curating this knowledge that, you know, newcomers are having to find. Because I know when I was getting started, I you know, was coming in, and I would be working with folks, and I, they'd be they'd do something that seemed like magic, right? And you'd be like, "Well, where did where did that come from? Like, where can I go go to find more information about that?" And they'd be like, "Well, oh yeah, it's probably not written down anywhere. Like, that's just something I've gotten from, like the like last decade of experience they had." And you're like that's that seems like that would be a useful thing for us to you know have written down and shared, and, and those kind of insights better captured. And so I think there's opportunity for the community for like especially with like these the, the kind of soft appreciation. Appreciation Day where we could maybe come together and, and share some of these things uh, so that people can can, you know Get better plugged into the community
2: You know, what is a good point about that uh, is the fact that this is already filtered Information right? I'm thinking th- there is so much out there and sometimes too much uh, mm-hmm. It is too much, you know, it's yeah. overwhelming. It's uh, so maybe to put together this kind of event where you do select the specific topic the specific guest i think people can get a little bit more i think more from it without scrambling so much much
1: much more direct and uh and pointed and uh i can say i'm i'm honored to be part of this event and i'm thrilled to have had this conversation with you Chaz. and uh, I, i think it's a great uh it's not a kickoff for the event we're doing here but i think it's a great way to going to let people know that it's taking place and uh, these are the types of conversations that are being held that day October 19th uh, Sockanalystday.com check the notes for links and other resources here on ITSP Magazine and uh, by all means stay tuned for our, uh, our session on the hybrid sock that day as well so thanks Chaz, thanks Marco thanks everybody for listening
3: Awesome, thanks for having me
0: cybersecurity and society.